Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to another Squiggly Careers podcast. I'm Helen Tupper, one of the co founders of Amazing If, and I'm here as ever with Sarah. Hi, everyone. And today we're going to be talking about really specifically how you can make a big impact on your new job. And we're going to talk about five areas that we think make a real difference. And Sarah is going to be a live case study for the day. Basically, you're using me as a guinea pig, aren't you, yeah, this morning? Kind of. I have had a few new jobs in my time, but I feel that your experience is so fresh and so relevant that you are the best guinea pig. <laughs> right. Great. <laughs> Lucky you. Uh, but before we go into that, and before I kind of talk about the five areas that we are going to focus on because we think they make the biggest difference, um, Sarah just told me before we started, she's like, oh, I've got some stats that I can share with everybody. And I haven't read the email. It's all about our, our listeners and where they are on the podcast. So this is interesting for me and hopefully for you. So Sarah, over to to you to educate us ah well um every so often uh, we get we have a look just to check some people are actually listening i think that's the, the the first priority is that we're not just talking to ourselves and the good news is people are listening so that that's fine um which, which is good uh and people are still sending us really good feedback uh, which i really do appreciate actually even this morning um somebody emailed us about last week's episode which was how to manage your manager and say she's um moving to a new job in asia and she found it incredibly helpful um, and really looking forward to the next topic. So thank you uh, to everyone who does send us feedback. We've said it before, but um, it's so rewarding and just really helps keep motivating us to make sure we get these out every week. Um, and yeah, we have lots of people listening in the UK, as you'd imagine, um, and, and in places like the US. I know some people in Australia, so I feel the people lead, lead, like in, listening in Australia, probably people I know who I've gone, oh, I've done this podcast, try it. Please listen. Um, but did you know we have 108 listeners in China, Helen? I did not know that because I didn't get this email. But yeah, no. that, that is very interesting. Oh, wow. Yeah, we do. So, you know, we have over 20,000 listeners in the UK, but there's 108 in China, you know, spreading spreading the word. <laughs> Where do we have one or two people, Sarah, that need to need to spread more? <laughs> oh, that's as low as it goes. With oh, the, really? Okay. Yeah, yeah, that's the most. So the kind of top three are the UK, the US and Australia closely followed by Ireland, France and Canada. And uh, then, yeah, yeah, lo- lots, of di- lots of different places. So I feel it, it makes me feel very jet set, like, oh, we're so international. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I still associate that with being really glamorous, all the different countries. <laughs> oh, well, thank you, everybody, for listening. And um, actually, I'd love to know how you heard about us, So um, because it helps us to reach more people. So maybe if you could let us know that on, maybe by email, which is get in touch amazing if.com or on any of the 
places you can find us socially which is like in really instagram and twitter that would be really helpful to us because it um helps us to reach more people with what we're doing so uh, let us crack on with today then um and getting a new job is all part of squiggly careers we are going to change jobs far more than the generations before us did because um, organizations are changing our expectations of work are changing and it's just a lot easier to do it and um, often people now are even going back to companies they've worked in before this kind of concept called boomerang employees so this idea of changing jobs uh, more frequently and actually because of that needing to make an impact more quickly is ever more important and that's uh, the theme of today's podcast and there are five areas we're going to focus on as we said earlier, Sarah's going to be our live guinea peg. Um, the areas, just for summary, guinea peg. Can you, can you, I was thinking this is basically like me having a like appraisal live live on air. I love it. I don't think I've ever given you a live appraisal, so that is a, that's my my entertainment yeah. for the day. Uh, but the five areas, then the first one we're going to talk around is context. So that's kind of how you really quickly can understand your business. The second one is around getting clarity. So um, how quickly can you understand what your objectives are and the expectations of those around you, specifically your manager. The third area is relationships. So how you can build them in that kind of first three month period um, and also how you can make some allies that can offer you support and guidance. Fourth area is brand. So how you let people know who you are, what's important to you, what you stand for. And the last thing is really about success and and impact in its kind of most specific sense, and that's quick wins. So how can you get some quick wins done in the first three months? Um, And, you know, how can you plan for that? How do you find out what they are? So they're the five areas. Uh, So let's start with the first one, Sarah, which was context and and Mm -hmm. the quickest ways that you can get your head around a business when you come into it. Because I think that can be so daunting when you feel like, yeah. Everyone knows more than you. Your imposter syndrome's on high alert and you're thinking, how am I going to succeed when I've no idea what anyone's talking about? What what did you do in your current role? So this this is something I actually did think about quite a lot before I joined uh, my current company because I was changing uh, the nature of the sort of place that I was working in quite dramatically. So I moved from working for Sainsbury's, which is obviously a massive organisation with like 200,000 people, to a company, a creative, small creative agency that's got 70 people. Um, so I thought the the getting to know that organisation, uh, the way it worked and the people, the, the dynamics was going to be really important to me because I wouldn't have a lot of reference points. And so the first thing, well, very quickly, I think probably within the first week, uh, I introduced something called a, like an ad- adopter managing director <laughs> scheme. <laughs> right. Um, so I basically emailed everyone and said, I'd really like to get to know you all and really like to understand what you do. Um, can you just adopt me for something? I'll pay for you to have a coffee. Just take, like, take me out for a coffee. Take me onto a shoot. Let me come and sit by your desk for half an hour while you're doing something you have to do every month. I sort of don't really mind what, I don't mind what, at all what it is, but just, I really want to spend some time with you. You tell me when works for you and what it is you want to do. And then I sort of threw it out to everyone and really, really hoped that someone was going to respond. <laughs> You'd be just, and not adopted, just left and on I your own in your meeting. Just left, yeah. Um, and you know what? It kind of it it did work well because obviously people did it in a different kind of periods of time. But actually, lots of people used it as an opportunity. Some people just wanted to kind of have a coffee, but some people were like, "Oh, you know, I'm doing this specific thing. Do you want to come along for like an hour?" Um, and that's actually quite a nice way to get to know people, you know, in, in a slightly less formal setting. You're not in a meeting. Uh, so that's it was it was one thing that I did, but it did work really well. 
I'm just thinking about when we get on to brand later, I actually think <laughs> that even your terminology of things like that, that's very you. Yeah. you know, I know you really well, but even rather than something kind of standard that everyone would might say is let's have a one-to-one that's not very distinctive but you kind of sort of branding that as a doctor manager will start to make people think oh Sarah's got a slightly different approach Sarah's got an interesting way of terming things so I think when we talk about brand later even though having those sort of hallmarks that bring your personality and your approach to life are quite interesting and you can apply them in like they would have been some of your first meetings right yeah, in your yeah. first week so you can do it that quickly and um, I'm just thinking for me I I work for Microsoft uh, now and the one of the things that was really confusing for me when I started at Microsoft was the acronyms yeah so we <laughs> we love an acronym here probably more than any organization I've worked with and um, you know we have glossaries of acronyms all kinds of things and I think that can be um, quite excluding to new people yeah. because you have no idea what people are talking about because they're literally talking a different language to you and it, it's very uh, internalised language. So I think a very simple thing is just to make sure that you ask questions about what that acronym means and I know that sounds really small but when you're trying to understand a business and some of the processes or activities are masked in acronyms you're, you're not going to be able to understand what people are talking about and you've got to be brave enough to say in the middle of a meeting whether it's your manager or your manager's manager or your peers hang on a minute what does that mean and I definitely I still find myself saying it to be honest but I found myself saying it all the time in the beginning and actually I think it helps your peers and your colleagues to remember that they're talking sort of internal nonsense most of the time yeah, and yeah. that actually we should talk common sense to each other. So I would say, yeah, don't be afraid to ask questions of things that you don't understand, particularly acronyms, which don't yeah, don't help at all. Any any other tips for when you're understanding a business when you start? Um, I think I was just thinking about it then as you were kind of talking about the acronym point. One of the things that I've done probably better in the last month or so, um, I've probably been in my current role now just over three months, is making time to have what I would call kind of the meeting after the meeting. So sometimes you're when you're really new, you are sitting in meetings where you might be able to ask a question about an acronym, but there's probably quite a lot of that meeting that uh, means you've got questions or there's things you don't understand. And then working out kind of who can help you understand and make sense of that meeting. I think is is mm. is actually really helpful, and I've got I've got better at that more recently. So rather than I naturally often try and go and f- try and figure things out for myself, um, and because I'm naturally more kind of introverted, that appeals to me. I'll think, oh, I'm, I'm maybe not going to ask loads in the meeting, but afterwards I'll sit and squirrel away and try and figure this out. Whereas actually, what's been much more effective and means you can get to understanding much quicker is actually just saying to somebody afterwards, oh, we've got five minutes over a cup of tea. I just got a few questions about that meeting we were just in. And doing it really informally, but sort of just forcing yourself to get that deeper level of understanding uh, and not not necessarily just trying to do that in the meeting because that doesn't always feel kind of appropriate. But that I do sometimes have in mind, oh, I need I need a meeting after a meeting and they look very different. The meeting after the meeting tends to be a five minute coffee, a half an hour chat or it's something that I'll make a note of to bring up in the next time I'm catching up with my manager or something like that. I love that idea. Yeah, I, I yeah. I, when you said meeting after meeting, I was like, oh no, no more meetings. But I think yeah, the, the, the coffee yeah. and just inviting someone chat, to the coffee basically. is a lot more palatable. Okay, let's move on to the next one. Let's move on to. So this is about when you come into an organisation and you aren't really sure what good looks like in terms of your maybe your manager's expectations or what you're what you're trying to achieve. So how do you get to clarity so that you can? I think, feel reward from the impact that you're making? 
Yeah, I was thinking about this um, and the the reality of what I've actually done. So I'll, I'll share that and we can decide whether we think that's the right thing or not. <laughs> but um, I think because I'm used to being in very large organisations, intuitively, very quickly, I want to l- write myself some objectives um, because that's what I've probably been trained to do and, and what I'm used to doing. And I did do that relatively early on in my new job, but actually found it quite difficult to do because when you're really new, I think you're still doing lots of understanding um getting to grips with everything and it's very hard to get a kind of clear sense of what exactly do I need to do what what impact am I going to make and so uh, so what what I actually ended up doing was sort of making notes as I went along for myself thinking about starting to frame and think about what do I think my role is in terms of what I need to do and how I'm going to do it and actually it's it's only now so I would say 14 weeks into my job where I've actually written a very clear version of the value that I think I'll be able to add in the role, um, which I've shared with um, the, the two founders of the business that I work I work for. And they've actually been able to see that in a kind of very straightforward way, comment on it. And so now I feel very clear. But um, I think I've definitely had to become comfortable with, A, it's very difficult potentially to do that initially for the first eight, 12 weeks, you, you sort of need time. And it's almost not worth forcing it because the answers that you'll get won't actually be the most useful you could end up just creating mm. something for the sake of it and then that not actually being the right thing the other thing that I did actually yesterday was went back to the job spec that um I was originally given before the job again as part of this process of writing down kind of the impact I want to have um and compared and contrasted what I've written to what that original job was because even if they're different it's quite useful to sometimes think okay so why are they different is it just that the job spec was a generic job spec and ultimately isn't that useful, which does happen, I think, quite a lot. Mm. Or actually, am I missing something here that actually is really important to have in my job, but that somehow I filtered out or maybe I've missed that it's important. And then that can give you a useful reference point to ask questions of the person that you're working uh, for. So, you know, you can have those objectives or, um, you know, that impact plan, however you want to do it. If you then sort of say, oh, this isn't there. And we did talk about this as part of the job when I first started is that okay if things evolved and you're talking about it very transparently? But yeah, my, my advice would actually be don't try to do that too quickly. I was um, thinking while you were talking about a model, Sarah. Of course you a were. A three-step model. Of course, of course I was. Did it have, did it have <laughs> three, three step circles? Model. Uh, it all begins with the same letter. You'll be pleased Excellent. to know. <laughs> so you've just so, created uh, a model there while I was you know, yeah, having oh, my appraisal with me. you. It feels like you maybe weren't listening to me. <laughs> I was. It was inspired right, by what okay. you were saying. I was thinking about the what you were saying about don't almost define what you're supposed to do too early and have some some space to think about it. And that maybe a way that you could take control of that. So you could set the expectations with your manager about your first three months. Because I think it's really easy when you organisations and you know I've I've done this with my team and I kind of slap my hand for it when you give them work that's already in flight and you're like if you know get on with this it'll get you you'll learn it really quickly and you you kind of take away their discovery time. Which which is the first D, the first step of the model. So I think if, right. month, if month one, you can treat as discovery month, you know, say to your yeah. manager, I just want one month to learn this business, understand the people, understand the acronyms. I'm not setting expectation with you that I'm going to do any delivery. This is all about just my month of discovery and I will share yeah. back my learnings at the end of it so that it's got some kind of sort of purposeful outcome to it. Then month two is all about definition. So this is about, okay, now I understand the organisation. Let me take that job description, so the point that you were saying, and let me just see if I understand 
all of the things that are on that job description and I maybe agree with them based on what I have discovered and you can maybe redefine some elements of that job description based on that and then month three is when you can move into delivery and I'm not saying you know nail your whole objectives for the year but having in that month that feels concrete that you think actually out of three months I have made an element of difference because I have um brought my team closer together I have uh I don't know done this thing with an agency done this thing with a leadership team whatever it is but you've got an element of delivery in that last sort of last of the three months so the three steps are discover define and deliver and you could then communicate that <laughs> Sarah's just laughing at me because she knows what I'm like but that that could be a way that you could communicate with your manager if they don't think you're too weird that you're presenting a model to them um of, of how you might want to take ownership <laughs> of what your first three months look like I've just got images now of people listening to this podcast starting new jobs and saying, well, I listen to this podcast and there's a three-step model and, and people just looking at them going like, what, what, just, what are you, you know, talking Just do about? it in a way that feels authentic to you. That, that would be the yes, sort of thing that yeah, I would do yeah. and I'd have a manager probably going, oh, okay, just, yeah, just go do that. <laughs> so, <laughs> I do think that the first point around discovery, though, is a really important one in terms of giving yourself, you know, the, the time and the space to really listen um, and learn and observe and, re- and reflect and not put yourself under too much pressure because you'll have so much time to deliver and do all the things you're going to go off and do. That that first month or six weeks or so, I think, is actually really precious, not just for you, but also for the organisation because you've come in with a fresh perspective. You can look at things in a different way. Even if you're starting a new job in, in the same organisation, you only have that period of time once. And I do think there's this tipping point, or I, I've certainly felt a tipping point where you go from, you know, being the newbie to going, oh, actually, you know, I sort of, I feel now like I'm sort of one of the team, which is lovely. That's a lovely tipping point. But also you do lose that sense of uh, perspective and being able to kind of do the outside in thing. So actually that that is incredibly valuable for your organisation. So make sure you give yourself and, and talk to your manager about the space to do that and, and then make sure you're thinking about how do you uh, share those insights back so not just having them for yourselves, but actually, you know, after a month or after five weeks, sitting down with um, your team or your manager and saying, oh, three things that, I've, that have surprised me, three things that, you know, I found really interesting and I think we could do more with. Make sure you're um, using that time and then actually translating into something that's useful for the organisation. And maybe the, the last point on this as well is if you're, maybe you're listening to this and you're a manager and you're not starting a new job, maybe you will be in the future, I also think this is something that you can do for the individuals. So, and, and yeah. I, you know, I've got a couple of new people in my team at the moment and I definitely haven't done this as well as I should have done because, you know, everything's it's, it's quite a tricky time at the moment with a lot going on and I feel like I maybe haven't created the space for this so it is a bit of a mirror to me. But the flip side of this <laughs> coin for the manager is, have you given the people that are starting that new role the space to discover? Have you given the opportunity to define their role and not just take it as read something that you might have written quite quickly and put on the internal job site? Um, and have you given them specific things yeah. that can motivate them to achieve in the first three months that is actually achievable as well? So um, I am going to reflect on that myself after this podcast and maybe do a bit of catch yeah. up. My, um, my two founders that I work for now have actually done a very good job of giving me space uh, to the extent where uh, I think I was meeting with them, whether it was this week or last week, and I think ultimately they were telling me to chill out. <laughs> of course they were. <laughs> they definitely they did not use those words. But I think because because of all the things that we do, and, I, you know, I, I hadn't done a three-step model, but I probably had thought about it and given given this sort of stuff quite a lot of um, focus. 
and and they they actually are very keen were very keen to give me the time and space because you know one of the things that they recognized the reason for me starting was I bring a lots of different experience and they really want to make the most of that and there was definitely a point where they were I think trying to talk to me in a very lovely way because they're very lovely people and I did say back to them I was like are you basically <laughs> telling me to just like chill out a bit and just enjoy it and they were like oh yeah no, sort of um okay so let's move on to uh relationships then and then and how you build them when you kind of start and you don't know anyone in the organisation. What are your thoughts on that one? Well, my starting point for building relationships is always thinking about how I can help somebody. Um, I just find that that, that works best um, for me in terms of thinking about what I can give to that person. And then I, I sort of don't worry too much about what I gain because I, I just know that that will work at some point in the future. Um, which is sort of something we've talked about before on networking around how to build relationships and, and networks. And so when I'm sort of building relationships, I will try and uh, really walk in their shoes in terms of their world, their context, what's um, top of mind for them, what's their biggest priority, and then try to work out within my role, is there something that I could do for them that would be incredibly useful? And that could be a, a really, really small thing. It could be helping them to write a document. So, the, you know, this week I was helping a couple of people to write a job spec because I just felt that I, I could do that. I'd got the time to, I've probably written more job specs than lots of people. Um, and I was like, yeah, I can. And, and I actually then physically went away and, and did that bit of work to help them out. And it was just, a, I'm just doing it to help you out. And to me, that helps to build trust. It shows people that you kind of care about their world and that you're, you know, that you're prepared to do things that are potentially outside of your strict remit for the good of the team um, and the good of the organisation. And so I, th- that's it. That's all I sort of think about really is, try to build relationships in a way that is authentic to you and what feels authentic to me is thinking about helping people and also just looking at the dynamic of an organization in terms of how our relationships built so again I now work in a much smaller organization where relationships are built in a much more informal way there's not very many um, kind of formal meetings where you get together as groups or um, as individuals where sometimes you actually do end up building relationships through through those kind of meetings those things don't quite exist in the same way and so I've had to look for and spot other ways to spend time with people because otherwise it's really easy not to Mm. it's really easy just to get on with your job Um, and then you then I noticed actually this did happen with me um, in my new job you start spending time with the same people because they're the people that are in your sphere of whatever it is that you're working on at a particular moment in time And so if I think about the leadership team that I'm part of, probably half of that leadership team I naturally spend more time with because of the work that I do. And half of the leadership team I don't because I'm less involved in the things that they do day to day. Um, And so with those people, I've then tried to be more proactive in terms of thinking about, well, how do I spend time with them? How could I help them? And yeah, from really small things to just thinking, uh, what can I learn from them? Even, you know, even if it's just spending a bit of time to think about what, what can I learn? So that's really what I've done so far. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. 
Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and t shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. I think your um, meeting after the meeting thing is nice as well. I think when you're new, the the following up in some ways, so you've been in a meeting with lots of people um, and whether you have the meeting after them or you just drop them an email and say, really interesting point, I'm new. Um, just wanted to say that I appreciated that and hope to kind of speak again later. Just a way of expanding on your people in those first couple of weeks and you don't really know what they do and I think just it just no not, um, sounds awful I came across a term this week that I was I um, hadn't found before but social loafing have you come across it so it's, it's a concept I know well the idea is that when you're in a large meeting room the more people are in the meeting room the more the idea of uh, social don't loafing exists where you just basically right. lean back because there are so many people in the meeting room you, you almost have an excuse not to contribute yeah and I think when that can happen when you're new and you're in lots of meetings either because other people you just you can't make your break in a conversation because you don't quite know what people are talking about so I think maybe a following up with an email or whatever tools you're using to talk to each other in your organization um, and say really interesting point didn't get a chance to talk about in the meeting just want to let you know that that was interesting and I've got some context on it from my previous role just as a way of kind of building relationships I also think I you know work in a large organization now it's very easy my role's in marketing very easy to stay in marketing but whatever opportunities that you can take early on to be the person that breaks out of your function will pay massive dividends so if you're if you've got someone from sales or you've got someone from procurement or you've got someone from I don't know the product group or whatever the different functions are in your business just make the effort to have a coffee with someone and you can do it under the guise of would really like to know a bit more about how procurement functions or you know just the finance processes in the business but very few people do it and so if you can be that person and use the fact that you're an excuse for it you'll build your network you'll learn more about the business faster and you'll start to be more valuable sometimes in the team because other people won't be doing it they won't they won't necessarily have the contacts and um ins that you've got into those different functions which we all need at some point in the jobs that we're in yeah i think that's brilliant advice i think particularly if you're in a medium to large sort of organisation I think I've not thought about that as much because actually the advantage of working in a smaller company is that you see everybody you know mm. more and you know everyone people it's yeah people are in kind of closer proximity but actually in Sainsbury's that would have been if you were starting a job at Sainsbury's that would have been brilliant advice because actually the best way to succeed in in your role whether you're in marketing or in finance is to make sure you understand how everything fits together mm-hmm. um, and that's no mean feat and you have to be quite proactive to, to be able to do that so yeah I think that's that's really good advice. 
So let's do brand then. Um, yeah. yeah. And kind of, and how you can go into an organisation. This was actually really con- a big concern for me when I left Virgin and came to Microsoft because um, at Virgin, I had consciously or unconsciously worked quite hard on my brand and the things that were important to me and about developing people and growing businesses. And that had really sort of come to life at Virgin. And I was very conscious that, oh God, I'm going to start at Microsoft and people aren't going to know this about me. How do I, how do I ensure that people know that this is who I am as a leader who I am as a person um and I had a bit of coaching before I came into Microsoft so I could do that um but which I can share a little bit of but from your perspective I think you you similar to me you've got quite strong brand and um things that are important to you how did you go into your current role and if it's not too corporate a phrase land your brand <laughs> so she's, she, when she you hates say that's not now. too corporate a phrase <laughs> I'm just sitting at home in my study just thinking no no um <laughs> So, so saying that, what I'm about to say is potentially um, incredibly cheesy. Um, so one of the things I did do, uh, so this is this is a, a real life example, not with everybody in the company, but with a particular um, group of people. So probably about six, a team of about 16, 17. Um, they invited me along to like a monthly breakfast that they have uh, to introduce myself. Uh, and I did introduce myself using my values. Of course you did, Sarah. <laughs> so you, you mock me, but really, we're, I know. we're very similar. <laughs> I know. I just enjoy mocking you, really. That's that's the thing. So I, I was like, right, do I do this? I'm not sure how it's going to go. Um, I'm not sure how people will react to it. If I'd have done it at Sainsbury's after sort of six years, people probably knew me well enough that they'd be like, yep, that's Sarah all over. Whereas I just thought, oh, I'm not sure. People might be a bit cynical. They might not even really understand what values are. Um, and so, you know, I didn't do a big detailed overview of everything in to do with my values. But what I did say was, oh, you know, I really believe in, um, you know, continual development, uh, you know, always having kind of this work in progress mindset. Um, and I've spent a lot of time thinking about my values, which are the things that motivate and drive me. So I thought a really good shortcut to introducing myself this morning was to share my top four values um, and a small example of how these values uh, come to life, either in my personal life or at work. And what that allowed me to do was to tell some stories, which are always more interesting than anything else you can say. It meant that I could talk a bit about my personal kind of life as well as work. So it just makes you a bit more human, I think, and accessible. Um, and it was a really good shortcut for uh, you know me and the way that I kind of want to I guess, show up at work. And what's interesting is uh, everybody remembers that. Everyone in that team, quite a lot of people afterwards have said to me, oh, yeah, because when you did that values thing... Uh, or oh yeah when you introduce yourself in that way and I think because it was different it stood out um and it doesn't mean you know it didn't mean everyone had to love it it just it did do a good job I guess of very quickly getting to what I stood for and what I found um what I guess I find to be really important so that is one very specific thing that I did do um that I guess showed everybody what 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 it is that I brought to the organization (laughs) I, I also did something on values when I started here with my team. So I think that we've, we, we've got that one up because we know that knowing your values, I think, is such an important part of having a great career and people build relationships with you. So, um, yeah, if you haven't done that already, then I think investing in your values is a really useful thing to do in the next. Ooh, I don't know how many months we'll be doing something like potentially an online program on values that might help you if you're listening. So um, that could be useful. Um, one now you said that, it. We've actually got to do it. We have got to do it. We, we are, we, Sarah. We are doing it. <laughs> Just right. Yeah. <laughs> so another thing that um, I did, that advice that I got from that coaching, was to be uh, really clear about what your brand is all about. So how can you actually communicate that if you can't define it yourself? So for me, it was about um, helping other people to grow um, and achievement and freedom. 
And then some of the things that I did was I sort of started an internal blog when I first started at Microsoft called Growthful. I also did one when I was at BP. Um, and actually, I'll be really honest, neither of those things continued for my the time that the entire time that I've been in the organisation. Like I don't write that Growthful blog anymore. But it was very useful in my first six months to share with my team what was important to me and what was reading. I think after that point, it I was fully transparent about the things that I did outside of work. So that sort of filled that gap. But it was a way of me saying, these are my thoughts on, you know, uh, development, learning, growth mindset, which aligns, for example, very strongly with Microsoft. And here are some ideas that you can use. And it just, people just saw that I did this stuff outside of work. It was very authentic to me and it helped them. And it also started a slightly different conversation with my team um, about their development. And that, that then built the relationship I had with them. So that's probably another thing. But I think the first thing is, what is it that you want to be known for? Um, you, yeah. you have to answer that first and then think about maybe a couple of small actions. It can be the language you use. It can be how you engage or run meetings. It can be information you share. But think about a couple of small actions that bring that to life. You know, if you want to be known as a really creative person, can you run a workshop in, you know, month two to for how people can do creative problem solving? Whatever it is, but there'll be some small actions you can take that bring it to life. That's exactly what I did. I thought so one of my one of my super strengths is developing others. And um one of the things I did very quickly after arriving in my new job was say to everybody, once a month on a Wednesday afternoon, you can book in to have a one to one coaching session with me. Anyone can book them, they're completely confidential, all the slots are there and ready to go. It's there if you want it. And it was just a and that's quite um probably quite an unusual thing. There won't be there won't be that many people who'd be able to offer that. Um but that simultaneously I guess hopefully provide something really helpful to people in the organisation who want to take advantage of it. But obviously, simultaneously, it tells people a lot about the things that I'm great at, what I want to be known for. Um, and I, I do think about that. I do think about what are my strengths um, and how quite quickly can I put those strengths into action, even if they're in really small ways. So last one then, impact and quick wins. Uh, how am I doing so far? Doing? How am I doing uh, so far yeah, my you, appraisal? You've still got your job at this stage, but it could all it could all go wrong now, just so you know, so keep keep the bar high. <laughs> oh, okay, okay. So impact and quick wins then, let's be realistic about what you can achieve in a in a three month period. How do you um how do you plan for achievement and quick wins? Yeah, do you know what? This is the one that I find difficult to think because I'm, I'm a planner so I, if I could plan everything in my life forever I, I probably would <laughs> I really I really like a plan um but I, I actually find it hard when you're going into particularly into a new organization and a new job to know what those quick wins are at the start of your role I think is quite difficult when you what I think I found most useful was being on the lookout for them yep. if that makes sense so actually as I was going through each week at the end of every week I would make a note of, oh, this could be something that I could do quite quickly that would be valuable that we don't have at the moment. Oh, this is a gap that we've got that just feels like it needs filling. So for me, some of the things that, were, that I did, which are really small, were things like um, we didn't have all company meetings. Or we think we'd had them previously. Uh, we'd not had them for a little while. And I just thought, oh, OK, well, I, I can in my role, I can make that happen. I can get those dates in the diary. I can hold and kind of facilitate the first all company meeting we've done a couple of those now um and they're sort of they're sorted so that's a that's a really small thing that's basically me booking in a meeting um and making sure that we've got some content for that meeting but that's that's a good quick win it gets everyone together brilliant um one of the other things that i've done is introduce something called how are you doing which is a all company 
feedback uh, survey using something called Typeform, which allows everybody to do it really quickly um, and anonymously. Typeform is, is very good for that if people need a kind of mechanism for asking questions and, and getting responses. And again, I just observed really quickly, it's quite hard to know how the organisation as a whole is feeling. I'm not in a big organisation anymore where I can say, oh yes, can I have your colleague engagement survey results, please? Because those things just don't exist. And so to give me some insight and some data really quickly into how people are feeling, what we as a leadership team could do differently and better, I was like, right, again, I can just do that. I can make it happen. And it's I do procrastinate a little bit and want things to be perfect and right the whole time. And what I've had to force myself to do on a few things, particularly in this first three months, is to go, you know, the done is better than perfect thing. Sometimes you've got to get it out there. So I like really thought about, well, what questions should I ask? And what happens if I want to change them in six months time? And how will people respond to being asked for feedback? And I mean, I can overthink everything to the point where you would never do anything. Um, because then I start to think <laughs> about things from like every single angle and then start to run through ridiculous scenarios in my head about what people might think. And oh my God, a world of pain in my own head. There's no wonder I get headaches sometimes. Um, <laughs> but yeah, just get on and do it. So um, to unlock that world of pain, I have I have a, a thought for you on, on, uh, and others listening on unlocking the, the, the world of pain, which is um, the concept of psychological distance um, uh, inspired by a meeting that I was in last week. So this is um, a, a, an actual thing that uh, shows that you can solve uh, problems. I think it's 50% more effective problem solving when you can give yourself some psychological distance. And how you would do that in this scenario is rather than thinking, oh, how do I make some quick wins here? What can I do? It is putting yourself in, in sort of someone else's shoes. And you might think, oh, if I, was, if, I, if I was Helen in this situation, how would I advise her to create some quick wins? And it's literally taking yourself as an individual out of it and then saying, okay, Helen, you're in this new role as managing director. Here are three things that you could do that would be a quick win. So it's just a way, I think, when you're zooming in and overthinking things that gives you... It's, it, yeah, it's, it's proven, Sarah, it's not me. It's not my theory. So, uh... No, no, that's... that's oh, I feel like I'm too mean sometimes. <laughs> no, that's, that's genuinely very useful. It's that... Um, you know, like someone told me that once about um, like managing conflict in meetings. If suddenly you can almost try and take yourself out of your own body and imagine yourself like almost above your own head uh, for anyone who's old enough and gets a reference, kind of Ali McBeal style. <laughs> do you get, do you get, I, I get, do you get, I get that reference? reference. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so kind of someone kind of almost up above you sort of talking to you about what you should do. Uh, actually I think is really helpful yeah I think that's a really good really useful thing and the last thing I was going to say about quick wins is just be uh, conscious of how much of this is your need versus the organization's need because I think sometimes particularly if you've got an achievement driver or uh, um, that you you this can be about you I've got to achieve something I've got to prove something I've got to prove that I'm valuable here and actually the organization or your manager might not hold you to those same levels of standards that you're doing for yourself so while I think it is great to get some things sort of under your belt if you will in that first period because it, it's motivating for you just be aware of how much you are driving that and you might not need to be and you could potentially give yourself a little bit more space to yeah. reflect and learn and potentially make a bigger impact down the road rather than thinking oh if I just use all my time on delivering this project right now because then I've I've, I've achieved something that could be a short-term benefit but maybe affect your longer-term impact. Do you know what? I've got that wrong um, in the last three months a couple of times. I've taken some actions that I think are the right things to do and they probably are the right things ultimately, but they're not right for the organisation at that time. Mm. So that's me, that's me 
kind of focusing on me rather than me focusing on what's right for a team or an organization and actually a couple of kind of stumbling blocks that I've had or things that have not gone to plan or quite so well and me thinking well why is this not worked out because I feel like this is the right thing to do it's actually because it's me thinking about me rather than me thinking about what does the organization need uh what what impact do they need me to have that, yeah. that that's a really good insight um, oh no oh god I don't feel good about myself anymore <laughs> oh no it's okay you've actually you've actually definitely kept the job because you've been honest in your reflections which is right yeah. so I, wasn't re- I didn't realize it was a keeping the job or not keeping the job thing <laughs> well, as yeah. dramatic as that <laughs> obviously have do not have that responsibility okay and um, okay so there they are our five areas for kind of really reflecting and and if you're planning for a new job or if you're in it at the moment maybe and, and to, you know to be honest I can listen to the low things. I am not new in my job, but I can listen to some of those things and think, actually, could I do some of that stuff now to have a bigger impact in my job? Not just for it being the first the first kind of three months of it. So hopefully that has been helpful. What are we? Yeah, let's do, some, we do top some top tips. tips? Um, what, what were your top tips, Sarah? Um, so my number one top tip is have a couple of people outside of your organisation um, who you're going to spend time with in that first three months who can give you perspective, ask you some interesting questions, um, or just be somebody to download to uh, because I have found it incredibly helpful over the last three months where I've had whether you've had slightly wobbly moments or just moments where you just need to talk to somebody who maybe you've worked with previously I actually met um, with somebody who does a similar job to me in a in a similar kind of company on Friday um, a lady who's a chief executive of a lovely company called Liberty um, and she was just so generous in her insights and in her time and you know you sort of have some of that shared experience um, and I just felt that that has been incredibly useful having that little mini support network around me and I identified actually before I started who might those people be because they're people you already know and how can you just make sure that you're um, prioritizing spending some time with those people because those that that has been really energizing for me and it's also been really good you know if you're having you know if you need a bit of a confidence boost or you know you you will know every time because you get whatsapp <laughs> every time <laughs> i need i need a confidence boost so you you will have experienced all the ups and downs of the first three months of a new job but that little mini support network i think really comes into its own in the first three months uh, and my top tip is really a uh, resource and that is a book so if you want to go into this further there is a book written by a guy called michael watkins and published by harvard business review which is all around the first hundred days um and it, it goes a bit more into quick yeah, i've good. actually reread it a few times um it's, it is it is quite corporate but it does have some points and it has also had some really good questions to ask in meetings which i found really really helpful when i was kind of planning about meeting people the first time and there is an article if you don't want to buy the book there's an article on um harvard business review called why the first 100 days matters um and they actually uh look at um president obama's first 100 days as a bit of a case study it's quite interesting right i'm not sure i want to compare myself <laughs> to him to be honest well, you know, <laughs> just for context aim just high for context um great okay so that is the end of today's session Sarah, what are we doing next week so we're going to do next week a slightly potentially controversial subject but i think a very relevant one for all of us at some point during our squiggly careers which is how to negotiate or slash ask for a pay rise so how do you, um, whether you're in an existing job and you want a pay rise, whether you're getting promoted in a current company and want a pay rise, or you're moving to a new job and you're negotiating your salary and everything around that, how do you go about doing that um, in a way that works for you and works for the organisation? Yeah, very hard, I think. So we can share each other's tips of definitely 
it, it definitely uh, is one of those things that brings out the confidence gremlins in you and the maybe all, yeah. all the different kind of fears that go on. So yeah, that's that should be useful. And in the next week before we do the podcast, I'm going to ask uh, 10 different people how they've approached it okay. so that you, you'll actually, we'll share next week, not only kind of our insights, but actually the insights from lots of different people. Because I think people have... I've seen and experienced people do this in very different ways, actually all equally effectively. So we'll try and bring to bear as much of that knowledge um, and wisdom as we can. And in the meantime, you can get in touch with us in all the normal places. So over email at getintouch um, at amazingif.com on Instagram, where we're just amazingif. And there we've got kind of pictures of what's going on in our life. And we do uh, daily Instagram stories with a daily career tip on there as well. Um, or on Twitter, where we're at amazing underscore if. As Sarah said earlier, we love to hear from you. We love to hear if you've got recommendations for new podcasts. And just if this has been helpful, it's, it's just very motivating and rewarding for both of us. Please, um, if you do like it, please do subscribe. Please do rate us um, on iTunes. That's incredibly helpful for us. Um, because then it means that it gets shared more it goes up all the rankings um, and means that we can keep making the podcast so please do share it with your friends um, and you know if you have the time please do uh, give us some stars plus I really like getting stars (laughs) I feel like given it's been my appraisal today I should have some stars achievement drivers both of us have it so yeah that'd be great yeah yeah brilliant okay well have a, a lovely week everyone and we'll be back next week bye bye everyone bye Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.